everyone, this is Chris, and you're about to listen to the second part of our chat with Nathan Marchand about the outstanding Gamera Heisei trilogy. Hope you enjoy, and God bless, my friends. So the first note I have oh, yeah, on absolutely. here, first note I have on here, and I think afterward I need to introduce you to Reverend Mafune, who is the Monster yeah. Island chaplain. I think you two would get along quite well. In fact, I, I, I told him about your show, and I think he started listening. So, the he's well. He he sounds like an interesting chap as you were describing uh, him to Beck. So I was like, okay, kind of yes, kind of want to meet this gentleman. <laughs> yeah, he he's not related to Toshiro Mafune, but Toshiro Mafune is his favorite actor. So <laughs> there we go. And he's you know one of those rare Japanese Christians. So that's kind of a big deal. So <laughs> oh yeah. So oh, anyway, yeah. the first thing I have on here is just a little point for us to talk about a little bit is Gamera yeah. comes from the sea. Like a yep. lot of kaiju, because Japan is an island nation. The ocean is a huge yep. part of Japanese culture. Because, and I, I can't take full credit for this. I have to give the a shout-out to the Kaiju Apostle a little bit about this, because they brought this up, actually, in one of their episodes for an unrelated movie. But the ocean, it traditionally, in pretty much all cultures, especially the you know cultures like uh, like say England you know island nation a lot of seafaring cultures the the ocean represents the unknown it represents chaos and that is actually imagery that you'll see in the psalms in particular it's used in the bible a lot they talk about how the sea is the unknown and it's chaotic and it's unknowable but god is in command of all of it yep <laughs> and so in this case you, you know, like I said, Gamera comes from the sea, and a lot of kaiju come from the sea because it's representative of that. This vast unknown, this chaos, and they come out of that. Yeah. No, no. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm replaying the beginning in my head, actually. Uh, <laughs> Gamera showing up. And I'm also thinking of how that lends itself to the other, uh, the, the other main franchise where godzilla always emerges from the sea yeah well and it's it's not just where he emerged on land yeah but the thing is it's not just them why do you think sea monsters are such a common thing throughout oh yeah you know the the folklore and mythology of you know for most of civilization that's because (laughs) that's what the ocean was oh yeah and heck we're all still terrified of the ocean we've seen jaws enough times well, yeah, but the it's it, there's a little bit of a Lovecraftian, I think, fear of that yeah. because it's so huge. You feel small. Oh, yeah. By comparison. Well, we feel small. It's huge. We know not everything in there has been found. Yeah. So there's room for that fantastical thing, which you'd be like, no monster could just show up on land or it, it would take a lot of explanation. You could write it off. Yeah. But it's. If it's coming from the sea, you could be like, all right, I can buy this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, unless you have some more to say about that, I, my, I, I can go to my next point. <laughs> sure, sure, please. Okay, my next talking point. <laughs> Atlantis. This one actually kind of applies to all three of the movies, but I, yeah. I did some digging a little bit on Atlantis because Atlantis is something that we've all heard. It pervades oh, yeah. culture and history yeah. and there's a lot of pop culture references to atlantis you know aquaman 
uh, Namor uh, <laughs> of uh, Stargate. Stargate had Atlantis. You know, it's oh, all yeah. over the yeah. place. It's this, it's this ubiquitous thing. And in this, yeah, the origin of Gamera is that he was built by Atlantis. He was created by Atlantis because they made the Gauss in the first movie. The Gauss, if I remember correctly, I think the Gauss were a bioweapon of some kind. And then they got out of hand. So the Atlanteans made Gamera to deal with the Gauss. I think that's, yeah, no, you're... could be misremembering that Jimmy can yell at me later there, about there, it. There's but. something there's something else I'm thinking about, but I've also it, it could just be getting tied up into some of the other stuff I've been listening to a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, I, but I definitely think. But what's interesting about that is that them, but then yeah. But what's interesting yeah. is they built Gamera to do this, but they, they not built. They created Gamera to do this, but it was too late. Their civilization yeah. fell thanks to the Gauss. So yeah, yep, and. I and find that interesting. They so they were so undone by their own third. hubris. Is really what it was. That yep. it is a story of hubris. And I actually looked into it. Again, I would have you know, I don't have all the details here, but that actually is pretty much the story of Atlantis, even in mythology. The I found out that Atlantis actually first appears in the writings of Plato, and it was a naval power that besieges Athens. And then the Athenians repel them, unlike the rest of the world. Like, they took out every other country and city that they went after, but the Athenians beat them. And then Atlantis loses favor with the gods and sinks as a result. I, I had no idea about that. Yeah. Because um. <laughs> I just had to look at this, like, we, we talk about Atlantis a lot in this trilogy. So I looked at it. So they, they had took yeah. that story and adapted it. It's still another story of hubris. Yeah. And I find that fascinating. Which, oh yeah, no, it that added such a cool layer, especially as they keep going to that well, especially in the third. Yeah. Um where it's it's not just like, okay, it's a monster and then here's this other monster here to save the day. It like there's still the, that part, but there's there's added depth to it. Um that they keep going to the well and adding to uh which again is one of the testaments to strength out of these movies. Um, Cause it's not even like they wrecked it so many times in trilogies or other movies where it's like, Hey, we give you the origin, but then here's this part you didn't know that's a borderline retcon where it's like, this feels organic. Like it was planned from the get go. Yeah. Um, I know I'm jumping ahead to the third, so I'm going to try. <laughs> well, not and to. you know, we can develop, uh, we can talk about that because we're talking about Atlantis because you find out in the third one, they expand on that idea and you find out that, the Gamera we see was yeah. just the latest one. They tried multiple times. Oh, I think they even called them betas. You know, even that, yeah, they because did. they that the beginning team. of that movie is they find they call it a Gamera graveyard. So there's all of these desiccated oh, Gamera bodies, and you find I out later that what it was was the Atlanteans it. had to try multiple times to make a Gamera that worked. And they discarded all the rest scene. of them until they got the camera that they thought that worked, but it was too late for them. I just find it yeah. interesting. So it's the, they make the Gauss in their hubris, and then they try to fix their own problem, and it's too late. Yeah. And it, that, it's a classic story. 
it is a classic story yeah. of you know the the tragic hero, you know. Yeah. In this case, it's being applied. It's it's the backstory for an entire civilization. But let's be honest, it's that is a universal theme. We all understand that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's one that lends itself, especially when you're getting to the ad, the add-ons of like the last of its kind. Um, when we got there, or you found out later, later in the movie, the beta testing part. But it's just kind of like that just adds so much to it where it's okay, this it, it presumably had a people and it's just trying and it's doing what it was supposed to do, just too late for the yeah. originals. Yeah. Um, and what makes it yeah. interesting is you find out that the way that the Atlanteans made Gamera work is they put in this was part of their mythology, although there is some non-mythological elements that go along with this is very Eastern. They There's apparently a, a an energy, not the force, but an energy <laughs> that is the, the life force of the earth. It's called mana. Not mana yeah. from heaven, mana. <laughs> and they infused it into Gamera to give him life. And he can, as we see in Gamera 2, he can weaponize it if he has to. Yeah. But there's dire consequences for that. And the reason why the Gauss oh. keep showing up is because they're showing up because the the Earth's mana is being depleted. And so and yep. it's being depleted because of the actions of mankind. <laughs> so yep. the idea in this trilogy is the Atlantis was undone by its hubris and now humanity is going down a similar path and they need to yep. stop. And they're suffering the consequences and, of it with the Gauss and Gamera is still <laughs> trying to fix it, but it's too much. And, oh yeah. What's also interesting with that, and we can dive into it more when we get to third is in the first two movies, what, they they really do a great job with is the the link Gamera has to humanity uh, through the priestess, and then in when we get to the second one when he does that uh, the mana attack, he loses that connection. Yeah, and then we get to Iris, and Gamera looks rugged. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's a whole new suit, but love that suit. But it also yeah. does symbolize. They had two suits like for that one because they had Nightmare Gamera that appears yeah. for you know ten seconds. Yeah, the just the the fantastic part of that is he's lost his connection to humanity, where he's still about saving the world, but especially in the first couple of minutes, he's because he's gone off into the wilderness almost. He's lost that connection. Yeah, uh, he now doesn't care as much about like the the people aspect mm -hmm. which this trilogy never did the the friend of all children thing but no the closest that of, we get to that you know the as if mst3k popularized this term the the kenny <laughs> yeah the kenny you know which is apply now applied to any kid character who appears in a kaiju movie not just gamera and the closest we get to that is Asagi. But I think that was Kaneko right. looking at that trope and thinking, how can I 
take that idea, but approach it from a more mature, a more grown up perspective. And it was, let's make it a, let's make the Kenny a teenage girl. So it's still Which kind of a kid, but she's older, cool she's call. more mature. And yeah, you know, you can, and you can have that connection, but the connection makes sense as, expo- as opposed yeah. to it just being completely inexplicable <laughs> you know, well, and, in the and, original movies. And they did it so well with that, that other, other kaiju films that have done stuff where monsters have had connections with, with human characters it's few and far between that it, it works fully yeah. um, or it's not uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. Uh, looking at you, some Kong films. Kong 76, man. As Jimmy said on that episode, he can, uh, he can attest to the uh, sliminess of the seventies. But this, this, it worked and it, testament to the performer the actress uh, but also the writing where i was there wasn't any time where i was just like wait what yeah like they they did enough adding to it and then explaining it especially as the films went on yeah that you even as you're watching you see her feeling gamera but then especially when we get to the third one right at the start you're like oh man yeah it's like, not a at that point it's not a direct connection it. it's not a direct connection yeah. anymore by then because and uh, that's actually my next point that we'll get into but that bead that she has it shatters at the end of gamma 2 but so at that point she she still seems to have a connection with gamma but it's more intuitive i guess you could say it's more of a i well, think he's going to do this but I don't yeah. know for sure. So it's more like faith at that point. Yeah. She had this direct well, connection it, for a long time. She could feel Gamera. Exactly. She could hear what he's thinking. Then she loses that direct connection, and then it's more about faith. And yeah. that's actually yeah. kind of a fantastic idea. And it's my understanding, you know, I have, you know, even now here on Monster Island, I still have a little bit of a limited understanding of this, but my understanding is that the concept of faith is at least in terms of the Japanese language, is a very odd concept. It's difficult to translate the, you know, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, not only within the Japanese language, but also within Japanese culture as well. Right. And so that I find that fascinating. And, you know, it's, I, I was thinking about this, watching the, this trilogy in preparation for this. Asagi keeps getting called a priestess. But I actually thought, you know what might be a better way, a better term to describe what she does? Not so much priestess, more like prophetess. Let's be honest. Ooh. She's kind of like, what is she doing? I mean, she's kind of like an Old Testament prophet, if you stop and think about it. What is she doing? She is putting forth what Gamera is doing, what Gamera has told her. She's telling everybody else what he's doing. The military, the SDF... All of them, they want to they wanna kill him, even though he's trying to help them out. But they're not listening. They will not listen. They still perceive Gamera as a threat. What is she doing? She's telling everybody, no, this is what Gamera is doing. So she is putting forth. She's prophesying, I guess you could say, in a way. Well, I, I was going to say, she's, uh, she's reminded me a bit of the apostles. Mm-hmm. Just, just, 
basically to riff on <laughs> riff on what you were saying. Just no, please do I that. Think, I bring that up. To, this is meant to be a, oh, know, yeah, a discussion no, no, no. starter. Um, oh yeah, no, no. I just I think she. I definitely think that's that's accurate, especially again in the third one, um, where when we meet Gamera <laughs> in that third one, he is he has changed. He's a lot more rugged. It's the singular focus. Um, where in other stuff, he, he, in the other two, he seemed to care more about the widespread dis- destruction. He was a little more precise, but as Iris is growing and as the military is like, we got to take this down, like everything else be danged. She's like, no, no, he is like, he is good. I know he is good. He still wants to save us. Like, She's standing up for him. She's yeah. standing up for him uh, at no worry for herself. Um, she's delivering. <laughs> she's not equating at all Gamera with Jesus, but the similarity of she is, even though there's a question about him and whether or not he's still good, she is very much like, no, he's, he's here to save us. This is the evil. He will stop it. And then Gamera shows that. In, in Iris. Yeah. Um, you, you, so say, they, they you say you really, don't want to equate Gamera with Jesus, but you know, when we get to Gamera 2, I think there are parallels to be drawn. <laughs> oh, they, they, they lead on it. They oh, lead they on do. It. They do. Whether, they do. But they, speaking of... My comfort level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but speaking of that, my next point was actually you know the bead that she has. The subtitles that are available for this don't... You, if you pay attention to the Japanese being spoken, you'll hear it. But it just gets translated as comma-shaped bead. It's actually called a magatama, which you can hear in the Japanese. That is a very specific thing. I look, I look this up. They're jewels. They're said to they could be to date back all the way to about a thousand, one thousand BC in Japan. And they were originally decorative, but as time went on, they actually took on religious significance. Which explains a lot in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you, yeah. I don't know if you heard episode 13 of my show where I talked about the three treasures. I talked a bit about the Makatama and some of these things. But there's a couple of books that are some of the earliest bits of Japanese history and mythology. They're called the Kojiki and the Nihon Shoki. And a lot of okay. what we know about Japanese mythology comes from that. The Makatama are actually mentioned in those books. In... Specifically, there's the myth of Susanoo, or Susano. I've heard it pronounced a couple of different ways. The storm god. He got 500 of okay. them from a jewel-making deity, and then he gave them to his sister. You may know this name if you've played enough video games. Amaterasu? I don't know it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there was, a, there was a sort of popular game called Amaterasu. Oh, uh, 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 okay, okay. Uh, it wasn't called Amaterasu. That's the name of the character in it. It's a... Uh, uh, I'm blanking on it. I'm horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up and stop agreeing with me when I say stuff like that. <laughs> It'll come to me randomly. I guarantee you. Oh, Okami. That's right. See, it did come to me randomly. Okami. The game Okami. Character, the main character's name is uh, Amaterasu. Amaterasu was a sun goddess in Japanese mythology. And okay. So her brother... The storm god gave her these makatama, and she bit them off, and then blew, and then blew them into the wind, and they created more deities. 
Huh. And then there's one famous story where Amaterasu shut herself in a cave, and because she's the sun goddess, went by shutting herself up in the cave, it brought darkness to the world. So they hung Magatama in, fi- in a 500-branch tree, so it was 500 of them, I guess, to lure her out of her cave. Also, and this was what I talked about a bit more in that episode, have you ever heard of the three sacred treasures of Japan? No, I haven't. Okay. They're like the crown jewels, except crazy mythological. (laughs) Uh, And one of them is the Yasakani no Magatama. Which is you know oh. uh, uh, this very <laughs> important and sacred, you know, comma-shaped jewel that's been around right, for right. many many centuries. The also Noro priestesses in Okinawa wear necklaces made out of magatama. You know, and if you listen, I did an episode of Kaiju Vision Radio where I talked about Noro priestesses because it's part of the native religion of Okinawa. Because at one point, before the mainland took them over, the Okinawa was part of its own kingdom and had their own culture and everything. So the fact that they have these in here, <laughs> the fact that they have that her connection to Gamera is through a Magatama, there's a lot of significance that I will tell you right now, just with the handful of notes I have, I still probably am only scratching the surface as to the full <laughs> meaning of all of it, to be honest. <laughs> They, uh, well, that's the thing. Like, this, this trilogy did not shy away from heavy themes and diving deep. Yeah. Um, and throwing stuff in that I, like, a lot of it, some of this stuff as you're describing, I was like, I did not get that. But it's not to the, what works for the film is, even if you don't get that, it doesn't work against no, the film. It doesn't. So the more you know, the more it appeals, like the more it's like, oh, mm-hmm. dang. Yeah. But it's yeah. not to the detriment of no. somebody. No. And um, the I, I have this under Guardian of the Universe only because, you know, from what I understand, Gamera, even back in the 60s, was inspired by this. But they really make it a thing, particularly when you get to the third movie. But the whole thing about the, the four Guardians, and one of them yeah, is the Black yeah. Tortoise, that is from... Yeah. Chinese mythology. It's derived from Chinese mythology. Yep. That is a real yep. thing. The first time I saw Gamma yep. 3, I was confused by it. I thought that was fantasy. No, it is actual Chinese mythology thing that seeped into Japan. So they the actual <laughs> black tortoise that they talk about as one of those four symbols, it's because they're constellations. He's called that black tortoise is called Genbu in Japan. And it you you huh. it's symbolized by a turtle entwined with a snake. And the right. that guardian is often also called the the black warrior, and it represents the north and winter because the four guardians are the four principal directions, which they talk about a bit more in the the third one. Right. Yeah. Because and they they use two of the guardians to viruses loosely based on mm-hmm. one of the the bird the bird. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they have a lot of significance. I'm kind of looking at this. You know, they're connected with. The, like I said, the principal directions are connected with colors. That's why it's the black tortoise. There's also a white tiger. Ooh, you know, some Power Rangers stuff there for you. <laughs> and uh, the azure dragon, the vermilion bird, 
the in China they're connected to the five elements: so wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And you know, there's a lot of significance to them. <laughs> Sorry, as soon as anybody says the the elements, I'm automatically in the Avatar. The last Avatar, yeah. <laughs> Except those are the like, that's right, the gotta, Greek understanding of the of the elements. I'm like, <laughs> just gotta focus, focus on camera, focus. Yeah, on the <laughs> or the band. There's also the band, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. Nah, even then, I'm like, nope, I skipped Avatar. <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, uh, but in Japan, what? these four guardians right. are so are supposed to be the the guardian spirits of Kyoto. Right. And the, the black tortoise protects the city to the north. In fact, there's a shrine, the Kenkun shrine, in at the top of Mount... Again, forgive me if I say these wrongs. Uh, Mount... Funaoka in Kyoto is dedicated to the black tortoise. And this I thought was interesting. This was interesting. There's a Chinese God that has close connections to the black tortoise. I, 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 again, my pronunciation, the, I think it's <laughs> Zuan Wu, Zuan Wu. Then he had a turtle and a snake general. With him, he actually appears in Journey to the West, and but here's the thing, and I thought this was a relevant story. There's a few notes I have that tie with that, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to skip to what I think is the most interesting in connection to the movie. <laughs> uh, there are Chinese legends about Zhuan Wu, who was the king to the north, who, de- depending on the story, because there's a couple different ones, as usually happens with mythology, the stories get retold in different places, and you know, and all that. So they're a little different. This sounds a little bit gross, but I think it's relevant to, like I said, to these movies. One story says he removed his own intestines to have them replaced with divine ones so he could achieve enlightenment and divinity. Another story, another story. This one I think is actually a lot more interesting. (laughs) Another story says that he went to a river and washed the sin, the purged the sin in the river from his intestines. Washed them Ugh. in the river. And then the, you know, the, and then in the former story, the his old intestines became the tortoise and the snake. And in the other one, so I think this is more interesting, the dissolved sins were like a black ichor in the river and they formed into the tortoise and the snake. And then in both versions of the story, he subdues both of them because they go terrorizing the countryside, but he doesn't kill them because they showed remorse. And then they became his generals for all of his adventures. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. But this is in connection to the whole bl- you know, black tortoise that they yeah. bring up in this movie. So this, if I mean, they don't bring it up directly, but this is included in the baggage, I guess you could say. And I find the, the, the one about him washing out, his, you know, purging his sins in the river to be the most interesting one. Because what have we been talking about? Gamera was made as part of the hubris of Atlantis. He was made to deal with their hubris. Yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> and I just find it fascinating, you know, the idea of, you know, if you want to look at it from a Christian perspective, this guy is trying to cleanse his own sin. And then what happens is yep. the sin collects and becomes a monster. Two monsters, in fact, that he yep. must then contend with. <laughs> Which I think we can get, that thing gets explored a bit in the third one. Oh, um, yeah. The, the oh, th- oh, one of the big gosh, themes yeah. in the third movie is consequences. <laughs> yeah. Major, major consequences. Well, oh, yeah. But I, um, I should have brought this up sorry. earlier, but I have this note in here. The you know the whole thing with the relationship that Asagi has with Gamera. Our friends over at Geek Devotions, as per my recommendation, because I told them they should do this, because <laughs> they said we're gonna we're gonna do a devotional during I Heart Japanese Monsters Month on Gamera, and I said okay, which one are you doing? I said oh we're gonna do the original. Be like no. <laughs> oh my god. Don't. <laughs> Run you watch Gar- you no, watch Guardian of the here. Universe. Bang on the uh, I, you watch Guardian of the Universe. I don't care what you have to do. You watch Guardian of the Universe. So they did their devotional on Guardian of the Universe. Yeah. And the, the theme <laughs> of their devotion with that, which surprised me. I was not expecting them to go in this direction. It was about suffering with Christ. And huh. yeah. The I'm gonna. I watched it a little bit again just to get the Bible reference that they used. So remember, what happens throughout this movie is Asagi has her connection with Gamera, but when Gamera gets hurt, she gets hurt. He gets yes, cut on the he gets right. cut on his face. She gets cut on her face. He gets I forgot he about gets that. you know Gauss you, you know, uses her laser breath on his hand. Her hand bleeds. A lot. Right. <laughs> Gamera right. bleeds a lot. In case you haven't noticed. Well, uh, I was going to say, like, the that's in theme with the shower ones, because what I remember loosely about them, even though I haven't seen them, but based on Up From the Depths, yeah. they were the franchise that started adding gore. Oh, yeah. Bit. Like, they Godzilla, did. Godzilla it's, didn't really it's incre- do gore. Not until 1972. Fun fact, the like first monster to ever... The, fun fact, the first monster to ever make Godzilla bleed was Gigan. <laughs> they're yeah, still yeah, not no, getting along yeah. because of that. <laughs> no, I, I see that. And all I keep thinking of is uh, that scene in Iron Man two, when the, when Tony confronts whiplash and he starts going on about if you could make gold bleed. And I keep thinking if you could make Godzilla bleed, <laughs> but anyway, the, the verse that our friends at geek devotions used when they were talking about this was actually first Peter four, 12 and 13. I'll read it for you. We'll get a little spiritual. Thank here. you. It'll make Reverend Mafune very happy. <laughs> Beloved. I'm reading from the NESB in case anyone cares. Beloved. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Does that not describe Asagi and Guardian of the Universe? (laughs) Accurate. As the kids say, no, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Would under would undercut the great sentiment that was just done. <laughs> Listen here, folks. Don't quote the the children. 
<laughs> or the teens, the teens, the young ones. The young Gen ones, Z, <laughs> the generation <laughs> under us. <laughs> um, no, no, that's that's so accurate. Um, Which, like I said, yeah. I mean, you, that I think that makes sense when you look at her development over the course of these three movies. She loses the direct connection, and then it's about faith with her. Oh yeah. Well, and that's something that, as as we're talking about this, I'm realizing with the three films, they they do get more towards the faith aspect, which is interesting. Just because when you when you look at them in isolation, the first one is I don't even want to say sci-fi or anything, but you could be like, okay, it's two monsters. They're up. They're of this world. Uh, the second film, it's something from space so oh a little gosh. bit more sci-fi-ish oh my but gosh then the third legion is, man legion is oh, oh yeah legion oh, no, no, is no. a fantastic let's just dive into that right now let's just go to yeah no let's i don't well, again i was gonna say advent of legion jump. it should be advent of legion yeah. because it makes so much more sense with the themes that it's playing around <laughs> with. so much more sense because what is advent it is the appearing that's what, if I remember correctly, yep. that's what Advent means. So when we celebrate Advent at Christmas, it is the appearing, the coming. And, but so not only do you have that language, that word that denotes that, the monster in that gets its name from the Bible. They oh, yeah. quote it. They quote yep. it directly. Specifically, they use Mark 5, 9. So we're talking about... The Gerasene demoniac, which is in all of these, I don't know if you're familiar with this term. I went to a, you know, a Christian university, so I had to take Bible and theology classes you're, to you're graduate. You're about to drop synoptic gospel, gospel Yes, on. synoptic gospels, because it is, <laughs> it is a, you, you done saw it coming. Uh, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. <laughs> <laughs> that story is in all three of them. It is in all three of them. The famous story where Jesus is confronted by a demoniac and the, you know, he says like, you know, if you come to destroy us and all of that sort of stuff. And Jesus asks the demon his name and he says, we are, we we are legion for we are many. And that gets quoted. The, well, like I said, that's in all three of the synoptic gospels. Mark five, nine is specifically quoted in this movie. Because there are soldiers that see, because what Legion is, is a bunch of smaller creatures from space. They look like horrific insects. And they all combine together into one massive entity. Yep. So one of them quotes this. I'm like, where did this even come from? I was just like, (laughs) it's a Bible reference. I have been told that for a lot of Japanese creators they look at things like the Bible and just think it's a really cool source of things that they can use in their stories. They aren't necessarily intending it to mean anything profound, but let's be honest. It's a little hard to not use the Bible and, you know, in some way and not, you know, do something profound with it. So this is, if you want to look at it this way, you want to talk about Christological parallels. We have, (laughs) The threat of the week is the Legion, and Gamera yep. is battling it. Yep. 
so a couple quick things I want to point out about uh, the watch along I had. Maybe not theme related, but just little little things I noticed. I loved the first movie, but I found this one was you and I talked earlier about how they keep getting better. This one, I think, as much as I enjoy Guardians, was leaps and bounds uh, better in the sense of Gam- the- there's a couple shots where we get Gamera flying, but he's got the the new almost like wing flippers. Yeah, they uh, turn into flippers. I, yeah, because that was uh, I, so he uh, could use them like an airplane. Yeah. To, th- to throw out a wrestling terminology, I marked out when I saw that. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Like, this is what I wanted. <laughs> Just the, the spinning shell, I get it, but I was like, this, oh my gosh, yes, this. And then we get that even more in the next one. Um, as much as I liked Giaus in the uh, in the preceding movie, uh, the costumes were, they, they were all right. I'm not knocking them, but Legion is, Legion is a feat of tokusatsu filmmaking. It really is. It took two men to operate that suit. Yeah. Just so you could get it without the strings and everything. Like it's not to the detriment of, of Gauss. I'm not trying to knock Gauss, but when you get to that, when you see it from that technical side, but then also the deep themes, you're just like, I graduated. I went from, the and I'm not trying to knock it, not trying to say the first one's the kiddie pole, because it's clearly not, but I'm getting to the deep end, like, holy cow, this is nuts um, in terms of the themes as we're discussing, but then also just visually and some of the stuff yeah. you get, um, the step up in in every possible delivery is just, it's, yeah. it's outstanding. Yeah, it, it really is. And a lot of people will argue between two and three as the best of the trilogy. I'm in the Gamera three camp, but I wish I've made plain, but I mean, you know, like in this one, like I said, I it's thematically rich. I don't think the characters are written as well, but it is the special effects and the themes and everything just get cranked up as you go. So it more than me, it, I hate to say it because characters and story are incredibly important to me with everything, but it, it does a very good job of making up for it. In fact, the, my most recent viewing of it, I actually found myself liking two a lot more than I remember the last time. But you know, <laughs> not only do you have the thing with Legion and them quoting the Bible about it, I kind of wondered if there are intentional, you know, Christian imagery and ideas in this. You could argue Gamera has a bit of a death and resurrection. I mean, uh, yeah. he dies. Yeah. He essentially dies fighting Legion the first time because that's how Gamera rolls. He gets his butt kicked the first time. This goes all the way back to the 60s. <laughs> he gets his butt kicked the first time. And then he comes back and he's like, ha-ha, I know your tricks. And then, <laughs> and then he wins. So. takes He takes the licking to learn. Yeah. So he essentially dies. He gets encased and I don't know what that was, but he kind of turns the stone almost. He just ceases to right, function. Yeah. He ceases to function. And you know, because of this massive attack from Legion and then Legion continues it, on. And then it takes, <laughs> then what happens later? You have Asagi still acting as his priestess, prophetess, whatever you want to call her. And she keeps 
you know, she's still being that link. She's telling everybody he's fine. He's not going to hurt anybody. And she pleads, you know, his case and even kind of proclaims in a way she proclaims he will rise again. He's coming back. He's going to be fine. He's coming back. And there's even a scene while that's going on where this, you know, this mother is talking to her worried little daughter because she's wanting to know what's going on with Gamera. And what does she say to her mother? What does the mother say? Oh, he's just sleeping. He's just sleeping. Like she's trying to reassure yeah. her. It'll, he'll be okay. It'll be fine. Even though she doesn't really know. And then well, who are, I mean, there's pl- there's a whole crowd that sees Gamera when he, when he emerges from the stony state, but what are, but what does the camera focus on so that we, as the audience that who we see, we see our two main female leads. Yep. And who were the first people who saw the empty tomb? The Marys. <laughs> the Marys. <laughs> it was women. <laughs> women saw the the empty tomb first. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's oh. you can go nuts with this. You really can. I, th- there's too much there for it to not be on purpose. <laughs> uh, maybe they're definitely like taking inspiration from that. I, th- I think it's fair to say yeah. whether or not the themes to the extent that you and I can look into them and take from and see maybe, maybe that was slightly different, but there's too much there where it's like, nah, man, there's way too many coincidences here for it to be a coincidence. Yeah. I mean, I even um, kind of, I even wrote down, you know, uh, when you, when Gamera is fighting Legion, you know, and he whips out because, oh my gosh, Legion keeps inventing superpowers. He's like Silver Age Superman. <laughs> but uh, he's like, oh, I have a new trick. And one of them was like those weird energy whip things. And I'm like, is this like Christ being whipped, you know, 40 minus one? And, right. You know, right. Like that, where Gamera is getting whipped. You know, he's suffering <laughs> to save mankind. You know, all these things. <laughs> Well, and, and I mean, and I even got I, this weird idea, this. and this weird idea just occurred to me. We talked about already how the Makatama bead that Asagi has shatters when Gamera emerges from his stony state, even cuts her hand. I don't know if that was her hand getting yeah. cut or if it was just red liquid. It looked, I, I looked at it as blood, like it pierced her hand, and yeah. you know when it it exploded and it cut her hand. This weird thought occurred to me because we've already talked about how her relationship with Gamera becomes more faith-based yeah. uh, after this movie in the third movie. Is this like the veil being torn in two and how it changed everything? Whereas the old, the Old Testament prophets had these uh-huh. very direct communications with God and audible voice uh-huh. and all of that sort of stuff. But in the New Testament, it's more... Then the New Testament and beyond, you know, past the early church age, it's more about faith. Yeah, maybe that's, uh, that's I, interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of sitting here going, I'm going to leave this right here. <laughs> Jimmy's shaking his head at me a little bit. He's he's an engineer. He's a scientist. You know, he he, uh, he kind of tolerates. My Christianity a little bit, but <laughs> we have a hel- we have a you know, despite the how we uh, we badger each other on the air, we do actually have a tremendous respect for one another. So, 
Well, I was going to say, you, you've said you, the, the just is in love. So there you yeah. go, right? <laughs> um, yeah, to continue the Star Wars analogy, it's it, we're like R2-D2 yeah. and C-3PO a little bit. <laughs> Which hopefully keeps to Star Wars and doesn't extend to out of Star Wars where the actors did not get along well. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the characters. So, I mean, oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like yeah. I said, I'm just going to leave that right there. If that was the case, it was complete. I'm sure it was completely unintentional on the filmmaker's part. But it, it it's interesting. And it's, it's, I think that's, that's worthy of some thought. Um, oh man, that's yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And now uh, let's get to the crescendo. Cause we can, we've breezed through. Yes. There's a few other things I could mention about, uh, about advent of Legion, but I'll save those for my show. <laughs> Cause I want to <laughs> try to stay on track here a little bit. We get to revenge yeah. of Iris. Uh, oh, oh my, my goodness. Gosh. Yeah. So, oh my goodness. So what, what, okay. When I, when I sat down to watch this, I was like, okay, don't like, don't let your hopes up be too high. Like just, okay. If it can be even as good as half as good as the first one, I'm going to be happy because it's rare. It's so rare that a trilogy uh, keeps getting better. But especially for the third one, to stick the landing, it's it's a lot more difficult than than you think. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm I'm am just gonna, I'm, I know it's got a rep, but I'm still gonna just taper my ex- expectations. They were shattered within <laughs> like ten to fifteen minutes. I was like, oh my gosh, this is outstanding. Like you, you're gonna have to try to screw this up. Like this is, <laughs> everything's firing on all cylinders. Oh, even before we my gosh! You know what's you, you know, if we let's talk about the production here a little bit. And this, this was true to lesser extents with the previous two. There's the out of out of these three, this one has the most CGI in it, and I will say that it's. Could be argued that the special effects get brought down a little bit by the CGI because the CGI hasn't aged well. <laughs> yeah, it looks dated, but it's meant it. it oh, they only used it when they had to, and preferred yeah. using traditional tokusatsu effects. And here's the insane thing: the traditional tokusatsu effects, the practical stuff, still looks amazing. It has aged oh gosh, like a yeah. fine wine to the point where it makes the CGI look worse by comparison. Yeah. It makes oh, you, you it, that looks like old cracked leather, you know, <laughs> by comparison. <laughs> I know it's uh, yeah, shut up Jimmy. I know that uh, wine and leather don't make go, don't go together, but shut up. I saw you reaching for that button. <laughs> uh, the corner of my eye. I've got my eyes on you, man. But uh, <laughs> He's but, been waiting. He's been waiting for a while. He's uh, been, but... Yeah, he's like, I've been a little too quiet right now. He's a, he's a little antsy because he hasn't been piping in quite as much the last couple of episodes. I think he's a little upset. It, it, shut up. You took over my show April 1st. Just, mm. um, I'm not going to let you forget that, man. <laughs> don't don't talk to me a, about Space Kong. Interesting but, episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, if you can if if you can make Mecha Mecha Mothra happen, you can you can take an episode of my show. But yeah, that's the caveat. Give me Mecha Mothra. 
yeah, I know. You have to finish Mechanicong first. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mechanicong. Uh, but anyway, the is the practical effects in this, they're 20 years old. They are absolutely oh, fantastic. The composites are perfect. I the, it is oh my gosh. <laughs> no, just it, look it, at the it, scene. Just look at the scene where Gamera tackles Legion into the train station and the characters yeah. are in the foreground and they are reacting to it. That is technical perfection. The it is so I was just like I was like it is it looks seamless. It is so freaking seamless. Yeah. I don't know how they did it. There is a reason why David from the Kaiju Apostle actually said, we don't deserve this trilogy. Somebody posted that clip on Twitter and his comment was, we don't deserve this trilogy. Like it's Yeah. No, the, <laughs> the, when I was watching it, the word beautiful came to mind so many times that I lost count where it's just like, this is gorgeous. It yeah. doesn't matter whether it was supposed to look gorgeous or not. It was like that word was coming to mind at tragic scenes. I know. That's um, the thing. It is it is if there if it is possible to be beautiful and horrific at the same time, as this film often is. Yeah. Th this few, is it. Few other few other films have pulled it off. Yeah, uh, I will I'm gonna tell you well. right now, in the pantheon of kaiju movies. This one is eclipsed only by two other movies in the entire genre. And that's the original King Kong and the original Godzilla. And the only reason they edge out is because this movie wouldn't exist with either one of them, without either one of them. That's fair. That's fair. That is the only reason I... because those two created the genre and they paved the way for the effects and they, they, because they did everything first that is the only yeah. reason they edge out. I think there there's two that edge it out for me, but it's it's not like by a a, a giant margin or anything. Like it's close. Um, it is the original Godzilla, but uh, I also hold Shin Godzilla in oh. incredibly high regard. Um, and we we can agree to disagree. Actually, uh, I, I I actually I love Shin Godzilla. You know, I'm okay, one of those cool, cool. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I uh, I love it. I love it so much. It's 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 one of the best movies I've seen in the past ten years. Yeah. But the uh, the the Tokyo destruction scene oh, in gosh. that yeah it's like this where it's it's so tragic because you know what's happening you know like people are dying um but it's also just it's so well put together yeah. everything's firing on all cylinders it's yeah. beautiful yeah uh and and that happens in in so much of revenge of iris yeah so and the, the thing the thing that is actually a little bit disconcerting and we had tastes of this in the previous two movies but it gets cranked up to 11 in this this movie does not shy away from showing you collateral damage. No, well, because that was the, the thing. The uh, most kaiju movies, the most kaiju movies, kind of have sanitized violence. You see buildings yeah, be destroyed. Yeah. You see military vehicles be destroyed. But that's all you yeah. really see. 
Now, sometimes they say, they say the city's evacuated so you can you can revel in the buildings being destroyed without feeling bad about it. But, you know, the military vehicles are a little harder to deal with. This doesn't shy away <laughs> yeah. from this. Gamera's no. technically trying to be the good guy here. But even Gamera is causing people. collateral damage. You see people on the street. The street's full of people, and they are dying. They are getting hit by debris. Yeah. They are getting incinerated by fire. It does not shy away from it. And no. it's well, it's kind of off-putting because, <laughs> you know, you would think, I, this is the action sequence. I should be enjoying this. You feel kind of bad if you find yourself enjoying this. You're also thinking, wait a minute, Gamera's the good guy. He's technically yeah. killing people. Well, that was the that was the thing when I first saw this because a lot of this happens in the first like ten minutes. Um, it's dark. It's night. It's so moody. This movie has such an atmosphere. Um, but even within that, where it's Gamera is trying to get a Gauss, uh, there's those couple things where you're like, oh crap, we're in for something different. Um, even still, like not taking anything away from the preceding two. But this is just even a further step up where, yeah, people are dying. They're burning to death. They're taking the time and the moment to point out that people are dying and having people react to that um, and clearly showing them as collateral damage. But even still, even that there's been gore in this and this franchise before, when Gamera gets a Gauss, you know oh, you're in for something different when it's head and then eyeball explodes. Oh, I was about to say, what even even see? what happens to Gauss is, it's off-putting. It's yeah. like, yeah, I know. Yeah. We know the Gauss are nasty. They eat people and they don't care. Yeah. They're, they're, they are mean well, they, and they are disgusting. I mean, even the original Gauss from the <laughs> 60s was essentially a vampire bat. It drank blood. Yeah. I mean, it was not yeah. to be sympathized with. And you still don't really sympathize it. <laughs> But even at this point, we're just like, oh, that's what Gamera is doing to these. Oh, man. There's a weird tiny. There's like a tiny, tiny bit of sympathy to be had because you're seeing what is actually happening. It's not sanitized. It is not sanitized at all. For 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 any of the uh, for any of our listeners who might be uh, Marvel movie fans, I think you could liken it to. Wolverine in any of the X-Men movies or his his first two solo movies in comparison to Wolverine in Logan. Oh my. <laughs> where it's now you're seeing what in Logan it's like, "Oh yeah, this is horrifying because it's indestructible knife claws." Yeah. <laughs> That's what they would do. Yeah. So when and, it, in Gamera it's like the fire, the heat everything you're just like oh my gosh but it, it does add to the story and it adds to i know the and themes. that's the brilliance of it it is this is yeah. not this is not here for shock value it is not no, no. it is there is no. purpose to this and that's one of the reasons i love it so much because we see this perspective I mean, we have the spectacle of all of this but we're seeing all of this through the eyes of one character one yep. person who suffered because of this collateral damage, Ayana. Yep. And Love the opening—we've already hinted at it a little bit. Nightmare Gamera that we see yeah. very briefly at the beginning of the movie, and then a couple of other times later throughout the film. 
What's fascinating about that is the whole point of this, it goes back to Guardian of the Universe. This girl, she's a teenage girl. She is essentially a dark version of Asagi. Yes. She's a dark Asagi. <laughs> That's what she is. Complete with all the trappings. She gets her own Magatama bead, but her Magatama bead looks like a talon. It looks like a claw. Yeah. You know, it's bigger yeah. and it's sharp and it's angular and you know it's not curved and smooth like the you know like the uh, Asagi's Magatama and it is her connection yeah. to Iris and it, yeah. the mythology is a little bit weird and muddy a little bit here but I completely forgive it the but we see this flashback she was there in the city during the end of Guardian of the Universe her parents and her cat, because that's where she gets the name for the monster, her cat, yeah. Iris, they all died while Gamera yeah. was fighting Gauss. They are the collateral damage. They are those empty buildings that we see in the in these movies. There were people there. There were consequences for it. She watched them die. She survived, but she watched them die. So that Gamera that we see, because we're seeing footage from Guardian of the Universe. And we remember Gamera being the hero. And when we see Nightmare Gamera, that is how she, that's like, that's how in her mind, that's how she sees Gamera. He is a monster. Yeah. He is a demon even. He is yeah. terrifying. He's a killer. And that is how she carries that with her for the whole movie. This is a revenge story, but it's a revenge story that this is a revenge story done well. It is done oh so God, yeah. incredibly well because I, I just heard uh, something today. I forget if it was another, on another podcast or something like that. Yeah, it was uh, Kaiju Weekly. They were talking about uh, the Japanese Spider-Man show, and apparently <laughs> the yeah, yeah, laugh all you want, but the the, the what they brought up was that you know, that Spider-Man was motivated by revenge because apparently in Japan revenge isn't necessarily seen as a bad thing. It's a totally legitimate motivation for something, whereas in the West we tend to view it much more negatively. And in this, this is one of those times where it's a revenge story, but it ends like you know for us Westerners more like a traditional revenge story. She goes through all of this and she realizes this was pointless. Yeah. She has and she has to come to grips at the end of this movie with what she's done. And oh man. So you have this caricature, you know, at the beginning. And uh, you know, there's a you have a couple of other characters who are borderline caricatures, I have to say. They they get I feel like these actors they come perilously close to Power Ranger levels of villainy with how ridiculous they get. Are, are we talking the Are we talking the cultists? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you know you know how you said the second one is where you you had some character struggle. Yeah. This one, especially because of those two, um, just with not trying to knock the performers, but just how they were doing the performances. Yeah. I was like. I'm, I'm cut. You're losing me a bit. Yeah. They like, 
they get a little crazy. The strength of the rest of the film. Yeah, they get a little um, crazy, but they're saying some interesting things. Uh, you know, quoting yeah, the Book of yeah. Changes and Confucianism. You know, when heaven and earth face each other, everything is destroyed. I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's just. Ooh, uh, what you say it, is interesting. Just yeah. Say it different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it sounds very, very intense. yeah and yeah they like i said they get a little nuts they come like i said perilously close to power ranger levels of villainy they're almost caricatures i don't think they quite get there but they come (laughs) right up to the fence (laughs) they come right up to the fence and kind of like reach over the fence a little bit yeah (laughs) into caricature land stands out it just stands out so much in comparison to everybody else in the movie where you can watch giant kaiju movies and other things where it's like this person's treating it super seriously. And then this person knows exactly the movie they're in. And yeah. you wish everybody was doing what that person was doing. This is the reverse of that. Everybody else knew the movie they were in. And these guys maybe thought they were in a quasi Shawa era gamma. Yeah. <laughs> not to be that mean, not to be that mean, but it's yeah. just, yeah. it just it, it, so it, it, much just, Everything just comes to a head in this. You know, Asagi comes back. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, she's not quite the star in this one, but she comes back and she is still advocating for Gamera because at this point, if anyone has concerns about Gamera, I think it's actually totally understandable because he, he at first really seems to not care about yeah. the collateral damage the that he's causing. And you know, as by the oh end gosh, of the movie... Yeah. I think that concern comes back. It definitely comes back. What am I talking about? He becomes much, he becomes more heroic <laughs> as time goes on. The, oh man. Oh, I just, I love this movie so much. Oh, I know. It's, <laughs> oh, it's so, oh, I it's mean, so it, it, you, you get to that, uh, like the dream sequence at the end, because what ends up happening, this is so fascinating because Iris is supposed to be some sort of spawn of the Gauss. So, Iris is angry at Gamera because Iris sees Gamera as the killer of her family or his family. I don't know, but I'll say his just for the sake of it. Uh, Iris sees Gamera as the killer of his family and she, and and he bonds with Ayane because of that, because they both have this kinship in their hatred of Gamera but it seems like, honestly, as time goes on, that Iris is just trying to use her, you know, oh, yeah. by absorbing her. And, you know, and then it seems like, especially when you get to the end, it really seems like he was just using her because, you know, he absorbs her. And then he goes off and he kills a bunch of other people. And then she relives that at the end in her little dream sequence. She even asks herself, did I kill those people? Because yeah. she didn't, I don't think she meant to kill people. She just wanted to kill Gamera. And it's this wonderful visual metaphor for the, the all-consuming nature of revenge. Heck, you could, if you want to get super spiritual about it, it's kind of the all-consuming nature of sin because that's really what happens. You indulge it a little bit and it continues to consume. Percent. Yeah, it well, continues it, to consume like, and then all it does is use you. Because that's yeah, all I, she, the Iris does at the end. He doesn't care. He just wants to use her. Her her hate fueled Iris. So Iris, like, hey, we got this common en- enemy, but I can help. And 
as you see, I'm just, I, I'm, even though you just said the character's name, I'm just totally brain farting Ayana. on her name. Ayana, sorry. Yeah, as you see Ayana, um, at first there's it's a mutual relationship and she's taking care of Iris. But then Iris is feeding on her hate, then legitimately trying to feed on her. Um, but then as Iris grows in power and the it, hatred is And turns there, into a Final Fantasy you, boss. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but then you also get, like, towards the end, she's looking rough. She's looking pale. She's looking weak. She is, like, she. she's just living in this... She's cold. This, this sin. This anger, she's cold. She's, yeah, it's it's so friggin' rich. Yeah, and the <laughs> thing is, is the performance is incredibly subtle. She's not oh, raging. Oh gosh, she yeah. seethes. She glares. Yeah. She just looks yeah. on, and but you know no, exactly she... what's going on in her head. This that actress was brilliant. Absolutely. Oh my brilliant. goodness, yeah. And people try to talk Kid to her. Like Asagi are... goes to her and tries to say, Stop it. Stop it. What are you doing? Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> she she and she can't get through to her. And then I no. love the scene at the end. It is so brilliant. It is so absolutely brilliant because you have this boy who's in charge of the shrine. His family is in charge of the shrine where they find Iris. And I have notes here about Tory Gates, but we can skip over it for the sake of time because I could go on about Tory Gates because they're incredibly significant. But let's stay focused on this. The And he's given some sort of ancient ceremonial weapon. You know, it's been passed down to the family. It's a knife. And he's told, you can use this to, to save Ayana. So he thinks he can use it somehow to kill Iris. Iris is a freaking giant monster i mean what's it gonna do (laughs) and if this had been any other movie when you get to the end because the the fantastic climax at the train station if this had been any other movie you get to the end there and he unwraps the the knife and he takes it and he throws it at uh at, at iris after we've already had the setup that the knife can do something to help if this had been any other movie, that would have co- turned into some giant flaming dart or something. Yeah. You know, and just, you know, an arrow. It just going right through Iris and, I don't know, weakened him enough that Gamera could come in and finish him off. No. It doesn't do that. It goes much deeper than that. The dagger flies at Iris. It bounces right off. It does nothing. But then it falls <laughs> down toward Ayana. And as it comes down, it scratches her cheek, just a tiny bit, just scratches it as it falls and it hits the ground. But it was just enough to break her out of her little trance with Iris because at that point, Iris is leaning in fully intent on completely absorbing her. Yeah, And it breaks that power just a tiny bit. She comes to her senses for a split second. And then it's too late. And then Iris grabs her and sucks her right in. And then she has her little dream sequence where she she's forced to confront her own sins at that point. It is brilliant. It is absolutely yeah. brilliant. And then what happens after that? Gamera goes over there and he plays hero. He stabs his hand right into oh, you know, Iris's man. chest and he pulls her right out. 
like, no, you can't so have her. And he just yanks her right out. Wonderfully brutal. Yeah. Um, and then what am I? it goes a step Sorry. further. And if you want to talk about Christological parallels, <laughs> Gamera's the, got Ayana good. in one of his, in his one hand, in his left hand. Yep. And then Iris the right hand stabs Gamera through his right hand to the wall. Yep. Through the pole, <laughs> I might add, because he has spiky things on him. Through the hand. I'm like, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could read into that really hard. Oh, absolutely. And then I will, oh my gosh. And I will never forget the first time I watched this movie and I saw this happen because you can, and the suit acting is brilliant with this. Absolutely brilliant because Gamera is looking at his hand and he's looking back at Iris and he's like, crap, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? There's only one thing I can do and I'm going to have to do it. And he blows his own hand off <laughs> with his plasma ball fire breath. Love it. He blows Love off it. his own hand and then Iris tries to shoot him. And because he's Gamera and he can do this, <laughs> he takes that stub and he absorbs the hand and then shoots it right back. Like Yoda in episode <laughs> two <laughs> with force lightning. And nukes the snot out of Iris. So, so good. Oh! I, it, there are what? few scenes in movies that are the textbook definition of B.A. That is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was texting some friends. They're like, so what are you guys up to? And then I'm giving them the play-by-play of this. <laughs> I'm watching this, and I did not know how much I needed this. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then after that, you have these scenes where Gamera is interacting with our human characters. He's he's giving yeah. Ayana back, and she's covered in iris guts, and he's being as gentle as possible, <laughs> putting her down. And the characters are looking up at him, and they're talking to him, and he's standing there observing everything. I mean, I will tell you, the first time I watched this movie, I was so totally in it. I was just immersed. I was like, I am in with everything because that's how good this movie is. Oh, then these characters prove that they perfect. failed elementary biology class because they are doing CPR on the wrong part of the body. <laughs> that is not where your heart is. You are trying to give this girl a stomach pump. That is how... That, that should tell you something. That, that it takes... So, this is a unique kind of immersion. I am completely immersed in this. And then it takes one small stupid thing to completely shatter it. <laughs> As I've taken CPR classes and they are doing it 100% wrong. <laughs> it's like, congratulations movie. You had me so immersed that it took one stupid thing. <laughs> one nitpick detail to take me right out of it. But you know, then Gamera is just standing there and he's watching and he's making sure everything is okay. Ayana even looks up to him and more or less says, you saved me. You know, the, yeah. the thing that she had spent this entire movie dedicated to, to killing and murdering saves her. Yeah. At great cost, yeah. I might add. Oh, yeah. You don't, it's hard to get, become more of a Christ figure than that. 
let's be honest. <laughs> well, no, exactly. <laughs> and for me, my reading of that is Gamera knew. Gamera knew that she felt this way. And he still sacrificed for her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I will ask this one quick thing because I know it's a little bit of a yeah. debate in the kaiju community. How do you feel about sure. the ending? I think the ending is perfect, but I, apparently there are people who have issues with it. And I'm talking I about the it. final scene when he, when Gamera just wanders out to the city and it's implied he's going to confront the swarm of Gauss that are coming. I loved it. I, of course I wanted more because when the product is that good, like just keep it coming. Uh, but at the same point, you didn't need it. You didn't need to show it. Um, what else could it have done that we didn't already get? Uh, we just had this huge emotional and action climax uh, that sealed the movie and followed through on the other themes from the previous two that anything else, like you, you didn't need to show the battle. You didn't need to know uh, like who won that because the point, but it, to me, it's like Gamera is going to do whatever, like whatever he needs to do to save. And even though Gamera looks like nightmare Gamera, he just showed he's still a Gamera from guardian mm -hmm. uh, where he cares. And I'm like, that's, that's a great way to end it. It's an interesting spot because you could be like, I've seen some people try to say it's a cliffhanger. I wouldn't say so, but I, I do understand that viewpoint. But I'm like, I don't, you can't not end it there because they, they've been building up to the gas flying in, but you don't need to then show because at that point it's like, all right, now we're just smorgasbording. Yeah. Uh, and we just got, you got the punch that you got so much in the finale that I'm like, that's a great spot to end it. Yeah. Um, like what else is there really? Mm -hmm. And I, I actually, before we did this, I watched a series on YouTube um, for, I, I can't remember the channel, but it was like four fun facts from each of these movies. Uh, and the, for Iris, they were like, they had no plan for a Gamera four. Um, the, the team had a vision for the increase in scope for each movie. And they're like, we just wanted to end it there because at this point, Iris is a moral threat. And then to do the Gauss stuff, it's like at some point we're either scaling down or we're losing some of the magic. So ending it there, I'm like, I, I agreed 100%. So I loved it. Okay, Jimmy, that's a good point. As Jimmy sure. just pointed out, there actually kind of is a sequel. There is yes. a Gamera 4. Yes. It's a fan film that will never yes, see the I've light of day that. ever again. But it's yeah. called Gamera for Truth. Yeah. Made by a director named Shinpei Hayashiya, who has now gone yeah. on to make a trilogy of his uh, of independent original kaiju movies. Uh, you might be familiar with uh, Rago was the first one that just got brought over here. Oh, uh, I haven't. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, wander around Walmart. You might be able to find it. The, that or, this, <laughs> uh, or the the first sequel, which is Rega. Or Raiga. Oh. Um, they're in, oh, uh, I've seen the first one. It's, it's interesting, but no, he, uh, he was one of those guys who was not happy with the ending. So he wanted to <laughs> make another one. So he made a Gamera four that the studio apparently thought this is really good, but we're burying it. 
<laughs> well, it's it's studios have interesting relationships with uh, fan films, right? Yeah, you just <laughs> did a, an episode about Star Wars fan films, so yes. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, you're you're into you're into Star Trek, I believe. Yes. Um, did you ever see Prelude to Axanar? Yes, but it was a while ago. I also saw Star so, Trek Continues, which was fantastic. With with Axanar, it got so much oh, yeah. attention, and because of what I have no doubt because of the quality of it, but then also because of how they were doing the funds, uh, the funding for it. That got legal questions, but Paramount took a lot of issue with it. Um, and that's the thing. When you get fan stuff that, whether or not it's about the profit, but if it's, I'm not saying that this fourth film would have shown up any of the original, the first three, but if it shows how good it is and they're like, wait, we're not doing this. We, we can't have this exist. <laughs> like We can't <laughs> let this get out because it shows us up. Yeah. <laughs> or if we make, if we make a next one that doesn't live up to the fan film, that doesn't even have a yeah. fraction of our fractional budget. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't... I've read a plot synopsis of it. I've read some descriptions of it. It's essentially Gamera fighting the horde of Gauss. Yeah, from what I understand. And, but and know, I think it's only like albino Gauss. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's about it's like twenty five thirty minutes long. So I think yeah, you know. I think so. It's I, I'm curious to see it, but I know we'll never. It'll never see the light of day. It did get shown at two, uh, two festivals, and I think the director, I, in one of the videos that I was watching because I talked about it, um, the director did see it and he was like, "Yeah, it's good." Like, yeah, Kaneko. Yeah, he said, "Yeah, my, you know, it's like my." He said, "I have the ending for the movie that you know that I wanted," you know. Yeah, but this is good. So I think he was trying to be, you know, make a compromise. Like, yeah, wow, I made the ending. Oh yeah, this is the ending. But this is good. So yeah, and that's it. It ends so so well. Um, before before we wrap this up, I, I gotta ask you just because we've talked about other gamer stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's two. There's two things I would love to see. One is a. Uh, did you see the 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 treatment trailer from 2015 involving Gamera? Yes. What did you think of it? It looked good. I thought I think it had potential. I would like I want to see something happen with Gamera. I really do. Yeah. Poor Gamera deserves to have another movie. He's a little sad right now because he's like everybody else is getting new movies. Why don't <laughs> I get a new movie? Come on. <laughs> I haven't had he's a like movie Robin in 14 years. I want a movie, <laughs> dang it. I mean, even Rodan gets to have a new movie. He hasn't been in a movie since 2005. And he, gets to, he gets to be super cool and king of the monsters. Oh, Yeah, he's a little perturbed. Yeah, I can tell. I, 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 I can, well, especially after watching his amazing trilogy, I'm like, why aren't there more of you? Um, <laughs> all right, so the, the, the other question is, um, hypothetically, if we could ever get it, would you? How on board would you be with a a Gamera Godzilla flick? A three thousand <laughs> 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 percent. I want to I see that. 
Oh my gosh, man. I want I, to I, see that. Uh, I, 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 after having a rematch why. with Kong, I mean, at the, this point, the two of them are not talking to each other. They, you know, you know, they, they've got differences. <laughs> and with the Orca, Jimmy's still trying to fix the dang Orca, but the parts aren't coming in until November. You know, we're trying to get the Orca fixed right. so they can, they can get along again. But, you know, aside from the rematch with Kong, Gamera's the next one. You know, yeah. Gamera won't have the pull that Godzilla or Kong do in the United States, but there's there really isn't any other kaiju on the same level of icon anywhere no, close no, uh, there besides isn't. those two. You know, and yeah. it's just what else do you do at that point? So I would be totally on board for it. I know that idea has been floated around to Toho, but they've never pulled the trigger on it. And I, I would be all for it. How would you end it? Yeah. I don't know. How would you go about it? I, I really don't know. Same thing with Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how you do it right. You know, with two yeah. with such important monsters. You know, the closest I've seen to it is the sh- the series Death Battle had an episode that yeah, was oh Godzilla my. and Gamera. <laughs> and I have a Japanese listener who takes umbrage <laughs> with what <laughs> with that show because she argues that their research is wrong. <laughs> because they that? have Godzilla win. And she, <laughs> she argues, uh, wouldn't go like that, but I think she's firmly in the Gamera camp. I get the impression. Right. So that episode has oh that line where they're summing up like Godzilla how he gets the spiral ray is just I love it so much and I've even talked about it on the show I think it represents like people from outside the kaiju fandom when they sit in and they're just like what um, where <laughs> after absorbing the soul of a dead pterodactyl okay. <laughs> Like this is us, a thing. We're on board. The Heisei movies we're, were a little weird. <laughs> we're just like, yep, nope, this tracks. This makes sense. And it's like, <laughs> what did I just what? <laughs> when you when you put it that way, <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, yeah, man, I would I would love uh, a Gamera Godzilla movie. Um, be it in the MonsterVerse. Or if they could somehow include Gamera in the MonsterVerse. Gamera in the uh, MonsterVerse would be interesting. I've heard rumors that he might show up in the MonsterVerse. I don't know if well, I want it, Gamera in the MonsterVerse, but it would be interesting. Well, with the MonsterVerse, potentially... I Like, the thing is, I didn't know if it would end after Kong. And I still hope it doesn't, just because it's the only other uh, franchise that's doing the shared universe well. Um <laughs> As I have stated several times on my show, (laughs) the MonsterVerse is the only remotely successful shared cinematic universe right now. The only other one. Yep. Nope. I mean, Um, DC try, but now they're kind of ignoring it. And, you know, we won't talk about Dark Universe that was DOA. uh, (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But with just just with how it's going, if it's going to keep going. I think they're going to need something else because even though guys like you and I and a big fandom will show up for Godzilla, I still think you they're going to need to start injecting more and doing more 
because I, I might be in the minority maybe i don't know i loved i loved king of the monsters um i did too I exactly so if there, if it's a minority we're yeah. both in it all right awesome yeah i do i i both get and also don't get the the black rap movie yet because it's not <laughs> it's not one of the heavier godzilla movies and when someone asks like what's godzilla it's it's not just a heavy meditation on the horrors of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. It is also a franchise where a giant man in a lizard suit dances and does a two-mile-long tail sliding dropkick. There's room for everything in it, <laughs> so and also flies. When someone's like, exactly, ex- uses his breath to fly after he tucks his tail up. Like when people are like, they're, they're, I, I get wanting more character, like human characters, but at the same point, I'm like, look, man, this this is a monster romp. This is what we're down for. And it does it better than Final Wars. <laughs> I've been waiting for Ghidorah with a giant budget behind him, and, I, and I'm getting it. Do not ruin this for me. <laughs> and I, I, I love that with Gamera. I think Gamera, especially because he doesn't have the American audience base, then there could be more intrigue. Because with mm-hmm. Godzilla, because he's got that reputation, and he's still working on like losing that stigma from the the dubbed versions that came to North America, that Gamera you could you could go high say on it or hey say right away and people might get on board with it. So I, I'd love that. Yeah, the I think it's actually would be harder for Gamera because for a lot yeah, of Americans, their first exposure to Gamera, particularly people our age, was Mr. Science Theater, where Gamera was a joke. Right. And Unfortunately, the the Sandy Frank dubs for those movies didn't do him any favors. Yeah, it just made it even easier to be for them to be mocked. So I think Gamera right. probably has a bigger stigma to get over than Godzilla does. You know, Godzilla has the advantage of looking like a dinosaur. You know, this is a giant turtle with saber t- <laughs> with sa- a giant saber tooth turtle. I mean. That's a little bit of a harder pill to swallow. And then, I mean, Gamera tried to try it up for the Olympics in one movie. I mean, <laughs> need I say more? You know, he was a gymnast for a hot minute. And, you know, when you have stuff like that and it just all of the other absurdities and then the goofy kid characters, it's there's just so much that... There's just so much baggage that Gamera has. That's fair. You know, I think for a lot of American audiences, it's harder to get over that. Where that, uh, Gamera, Godzilla doesn't have as much. Not nearly. That's fair. I I think with, I guess part of my thought is as well, like with Gamera having less of that audience, it's like, okay, you've got the memes and the gifts and the 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 joke piece, but it's also the wider audience isn't even aware of that version of it. But then in my head, I'm just picturing it in Legion. We got that outstanding scene where Gamera got the hero fly in sequence. Yes. And then in, in Iris, you got a, an, an in-air battle. I could, I'd honestly say if you could do that well, and not that they didn't. Cause I, like I said, I marked the heck out when he flew in. 
in Legion with the uh, with the wing yeah, with, that he, he was, was a superhero for a second there. I mean, he you, really was. You toss that on the big screen now, I the audience would I I think the audience would cheer. They 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 go for it. It might not be a huge billion dollar maker, but it doesn't have to be. But that, no. but that's kind of my thought. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'd, I I and I just I also want more of this now that I've had it and I've enjoyed it. I'm like, okay, give me more. Uh, and I don't want to have to jump back to the the junk food to get it. Um, <laughs> I want more of this this amazing steak. <laughs> <laughs> well. The the nice thing about Godzilla is there's a flavor of Godzilla for everybody. You can have a dark exactly. Godzilla. You can have a light Godzilla. I think you can do the same thing with Gamera, but it has to be you can done. Have a Kentucky Fried right. Godzilla that nobody asked for. <laughs> yes, but it, it needs to be done right, and yeah, I think absolutely. that's what Gamera. If you watch Gamera the Brave, I think that it proves that you can do a lighter Gamera movie that is like the old Showa movies, but you can do it right. And you can make it endearing yeah. and you can make it charming and it can still work. You just have to write a child like a child, <laughs> like a real child, and <laughs> not some precocious girl and boy who knows more than the adults. And <laughs> you know, The adults don't have to be idiots for the kids yeah. to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you can do it right. And... I think that's it, we we just need the right filmmaker to do it. Yeah. The yeah. it's the same thing. I feel the same way about King Kong. You know, I think King Kong's even might actually be in a more of a rut. It's hard to break Kong out of the mold of that original movie because the original movie is just it's one of the few example or potential examples of cinematic perfection. <laughs> I mean, it's, that original movie is just so good. It's hard to break out of it. And with all, with all due respect to Peter Jackson's Kong, it's why I even prefer Skull Island because Skull Island was finally the one where I'm like, we're, we're doing something different here. It's, it's not, not the just, first time. It's just the other times had mixed results. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's the first time that we're doing it well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, King Kong um, escapes is fun. It's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily a great movie, but it's definitely yeah, fun. Yeah. And yeah, King Kong lives was daringly different, but it was poorly executed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> all right so i gotta get run into the boat soon uh carl's like yo i finished the episode and uh i i'm done crying and i need to digest this and talk so before i get running uh where can where can the listeners on my side find you my good sir you have you're on the socials. you're also yep. on the uh the patreon uh, yes. So can you let me know where I can get those? And I we can also put those in our show notes. Oh, excellent, excellent, excellent. But yes, the you can follow the podcast on all of the social medias. Well, a lot of them. <laughs> uh, Twitter, we, our handle is the Monster Isla one And due to contractual obligations, I must also tell you to follow Jimmy <laughs> at NASA Jimmy. And you can find us on Facebook at... 
Monster Island Film Vault. And we are Monster Island Film Vault on the Instagram. And yes, we are on Patreon as well. I think you should be able to find it by searching Monster Island Film Vault. I am also, as I've hinted at a few times throughout this very epic episode that you're going to have, (laughs) that uh, I am also a writer and an author as well as a podcaster. The oh, but the podcast website is uh, monsteronfilmvault.com, by the way. And uh, <laughs> my author website is nathanjsmarchand.com. Yes, I have two middle initials and I had to use them for my website because nathanmarchand.com was already taken. I'm gonna find that guy. <laughs> um, and uh, you can follow my author Twitter if you want to call it that uh, at nathanmarchand7. And I have my professional page on Facebook is the worlds of Nathan Marchand. I think that's everything. Awesome, man. Um, (laughs) And listener, you can, you can also find Nathan's books on Amazon. They are on amazon.com, amazon.ca. I am going to be picking up some when I can. I'm looking forward to it. Um, And I, I highly let me know which ones you want. I might have copies I can send you and they will be signed. I'm going to take you up on that. Uh, like I said, it's when, when I have money. Um, but I'll definitely <laughs> message you, man. Um, all right, so all that being said, dear listener, I highly recommend uh, check out the Monster Island Film Vault. Uh, the episodes are always good, always entertaining. Um, if you want some fun interaction about Wu-Tang Clan, Jimmy on Twitter is hilarious. <laughs> um we we got into a fun talk about uh, Wu Tang just uh, just the other week, and um, there's so much good stuff here. So I, I highly recommend the show. Nathan, thank you so much for having me on the island, man. <laughs> you are always welcome to come back. <laughs> oh oh, you will rue that invitation, sir. Because I'm definitely <laughs> coming back, and we are doing this again. <laughs> oh, uh, I, th- I think Jimmy is a. Uh thinking those are fighting words so <laughs> oh oh jimmy if you want to go sir about the prequels i will bring the poutine i will bring the john williams <laughs> oh 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 uh, wait what the heck jimmy you have your old laser pistol in the drawer in the producer dude put it down okay put it down we will discuss this like civil gentlemen, Jimmy. <laughs> I said Tom Cruise could play you. <laughs> Chris Farley, if he were alive, would play me. There's no comparison <laughs> here. <laughs> Pure verbal. Apparently you win this round. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I am a uh, sir. I've got a jet to got to catch my boat back to the mainland. I will say hello to uh, Carl Serizawa for you. I'm Alasa. I'll try to find out. I'll try to find out. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to know the family relations here. I'm curious. <laughs> I will definitely, I will definitely try to scope that out. I mean, we have, have a, you know, we, we have a Dr. Serizawa Memorial Park here. I mean, <laughs> actually, no, I'll it's a Memorial Garden. That. Excuse me. We have the, it's an Ashira <laughs> Honda Park. We have a Dr. Serizawa Memorial yes. Garden here. So. I'll definitely uh I'll try to I'll try to get it out. He'll be emotional from Clonmore, so he might be more open to uh heavy <laughs> talks. I know I was. All right. <laughs> I got a jet I got a jet. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to come back. And 
Dear listener, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of One Cross Radio. Make sure you check out all of Nathan's socials. Uh, check out his books. Check out the Monster Island Film Vault. I cannot recommend it enough. All that being said, hope you have a wonderful day. Take care. God bless, my friends. Nathan, thank you. Jimmy, we will we will chat soon, buddy. Have a good one, guys. Take care.